I encourage you to take your Bible, turn over to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, as we talk about the downcast soul, the downcast soul. When we enter into this world, all of us, we cry as a baby. And that cry is a sign of health and life. And as we begin that process of life, we're going to continue to cry, some, for some of us, many times and a lot through our lifetimes. Crying is a part of the human experience. And part of the reason for that is that moment by moment, we are dealing with the consequences of sin, of what happened back in the Garden of Eden. And it's understandable that we have emotions because God made us with those feelings. And we need to be able to express them. Today, the psalmist is going to talk about how he expresses his feelings, feelings of lament to God. But even the creation itself is crying, is mourning, is groaning to be restored, to be released from the bondage of decay. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies to be restored to what God intended for us to be in that Garden of Eden before sin. As we think about that, there's a quote from a pastor, Pastor Mark Vrogop, pastor in Indianapolis. He said, death is the ultimate reminder that something is not right with the world. But there are other examples, cancer, addictions, failed marriages, relational conflict, loneliness, and abuse. Sorrow, pain, mourning, and losses are all part of the human experience, and it will be that way till Jesus returns. So what is it we do with our emotions? What do we do when we sometimes feel physical pain as a result of our sorrow? Put simply, we lament. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some of the Psalms in the Old Testament in order to understand those Psalms a little better, of which there's 150 different ones. And here are some fast facts you have in your notes there about the Psalms. First of all, the twofold purpose of Psalms, all 150 of them, is to give all Christ followers a window into Israel's faith at the time of their writing. Also, the Psalms are man's healthy conversation with God and God's responses to man's perspective on life. God speaks to our current issues and our circumstances, and he meets us where we are. Types of Psalms, well, if you read different commentators, you might get a different number, but here's pretty much the common consensus of the different types of Psalms. There are praise. There's a subcategory, remembrance. Psalms especially geared toward remembering what God had done in the past, but in general, praise. Thanksgiving, some of those are hymns as well. Lament, imprecatory, which we're going to talk about next week. Wisdom Psalms. Royal, kingly enthronement psalms, talking about Christ as the king and who will reign over us. And then psalms of pilgrimage as they travel to Jerusalem for feasts and festivals. 
This morning we're going to look exclusively at two psalms that are psalms of lament. What does it mean for a Christian to lament? Lament is not the same as crying. Lament is moving beyond sorrow and going to God with your pain, with your mourning, and with your questions. Lamenting is unique to Christians. The world mourns, the world cries, the world experiences sorrow, but they don't have anyone outside of humanity to turn to. And the Bible is filled with people who experienced sorrow. Lament is a form of prayer, and that's different from crying. Lament talks to God about pain and its purpose to build trust between God and the person who's in the position of lamenting and to help the one lamenting renew their confidence in God. There are two kinds of laments in the Bible. One is individual, and the other is lamenting for a people, group, or nation. And when Austin is preaching from Lamentations, he's talking about a group of people, of the Israelites. We're going to look at an individual lament today. So I was challenged with this idea of preaching on laments in the Psalms by Pastor Ben Lovelady, pastor of First Baptist Church in Silvis, at a pastor's roundtable that we meet with with area pastors once a month. He talked about how in our worship services and preaching, we're always set up to be celebratory and praiseworthy, but do we ever talk about something that the scriptures speak to in numerous places, and that is lament. Some of us in this room are going through mourning, the loss of a loved one, having wayward children who are taught in the things of the Lord and may or may not have made a decision for Christ in the early days of their life, but now are walking away from that. Their lives are not reflecting that relationship. Many are mourning and lament over our nation, the need for revival. And wherever you are today, it's okay to be sad, to lament, to miss your loved ones, even years after they've passed away. The 150 Psalms are divided into five books, and today we're going to look at the first chapter of book two. Our scripture reading is found in Psalm 42. So I hope you've already turned there, Psalm 42. And we're going to read this psalm in its entirety. Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with loud shouts and songs of praise a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And may God add his blessing at the reading of his word this morning. And let's pray together. Father, we come before you today and we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's inerrant, it's infallible. 
It's inspired, Lord, that it can touch every human heart, that as Hebrews 6 says, it will divide the marrow and go right to the very seat of our emotion, our will, and work in our hearts and lives with the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we just thank you for the word of God today. Help us as we open it. Help us to be open to what you have to say to us today. Encourage us, challenge us, convict us, work in the ways that you want to in our hearts and lives. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at Psalm 42 and 43 today because in a number of the Hebrew manuscripts that you look at, these books, these two psalms are put together. I won't go into the thinking by the commentators why this is so, but you see the unity of these two psalms as we look at them together. We don't know the writer, who he is, but it appears that this psalmist was in exile. He was away from Jerusalem. He might have been in Aram. He might have been in Assyria. He might have been in Babylon. This psalmist was facing continual taunting from his captives, and it led this psalmist to question God and himself. And we see that throughout the four laments that we see the psalmist four refrains and choruses of hope in response to his questions, questions that he has for God. We see a common thread of unity in these two psalms of lament, a longing for the past because of their close relationship with God, the cries for help in his present affliction, and a hope for future restoration of the psalmist by God. So let's look at lament number one on your outline. Lament number one, the longing to find God. The longing to find God. In verses one through three, the psalmist writes, as deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Notice that simile here, a deer who is extremely thirsty looking for life-giving water to quench his thirst. The psalmist is yearning. He's longing for God's presence. He has an intense longing to hear from God, which like the deer, is living water of spiritual life that all of us need continually. The human soul longs for rest, peace, and joy, and fulfillment, contentment, and hope. Hal Lindsey, who wrote The Late Great Planet Earth and Satan is Alive and Well, said this, man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. Given hope, most people can endure most difficulties in life, especially those who are Christ followers. In verse 1 of this chapter, we see the word soul. It's the meaning of the whole person longing for God, the physical body, the emotions, the seat of his will, desiring God. He desires communion with God, and he will not be satisfied until he has reconnected and heard from his heavenly Father. We read how he longs to go to Jerusalem, which is the central location at that time for where the Jews worship God. In Psalm 84, 7, a, a verse talking about uh, pilgrimage, they go, as they travel to Jerusalem, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion, Zion being Jerusalem. How can a man who desires God's presence desires for God to show up in his life, be alienated from God's presence except from sin. These two psalms are trying to answer that question. And verse 3 talks about how desperate in his pain that his tears are his food. He was enduring the repeated, the continual, 
day after day, hour after hour, questioned by the people that held him captive, godless men and women, when they asked, where is your God? Can you imagine him hearing that over and over and over again, challenges, challenging his faith? It drove a stake of emotional pain deeper and deeper into that psalmist's soul. Job, in his times of trials and tribulations and suffering, said in Job 3.24, For my sighing comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. This is the dark night of the soul, as one mystic talked about it. This is when your um, prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. You wonder where God is. He's silent. Have you ever experienced sorrow and emotional pain to the point that you can't cry anymore? That you're numb to the pain? Have you ever been so attacked that you give up trying to defend yourself and your character? Has the experience been so intense and lasting so long you wonder when this will pass and when things will get better? Most of us have had experiences like that. I know for myself, when we come around Thanksgiving and Christmas especially, those are the times I mourn the loss of my parents and grandparents the most. As I think about those wonderful times of celebration that we had as we gathered as family members, and, and those days are, are behind. In Psalm 42, 4, it says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad, glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. The psalmist desperately tries to reach back in his memory and remember what it was like to be in God's house, worshiping him with his people. He remembers the journeys from his home as he took his pilgrimages to Jerusalem for probably Passover or the Feast of First Fruits or the Feast of Tabernacles or maybe all of those things. Offering sacrifices while enjoying the worship and the festivities of those events. He's reminding himself of God's triumphant victories over Israel's enemies on behalf of his people. The psalmist here is pouring out his emotions to God. And you and I, we should feel free to do the same. Our God can handle our mourning. He can handle our prayers of lament, our doubting and seeking for answers. Never think it wrong to ask God for answers. We don't ask in an accusatory way or like shaking our fist at God. We just want understanding. We want to understand purpose and what's going on. And sometimes in this life, we aren't going to get those answers. Sometimes it will remain a mystery and that's because God wants us to learn to trust him and trust in his goodness. Even if he explains some things to us, we may not be able to understand or see the big picture of God's providence and is working all things out for his kingdom in his time. So here's hope number one. Hope number one. The psalmist talks to his soul, leaning on the hope of God and his promises. He leans on the hope of God and his promises. And I hope you do too in your time of, of darkness, of deep sorrow, of lamenting. The psalmist says in verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation, in verse 6, and my God. The psalmist is talking to himself, his inner being, his soul. I think most of us realize that we have a thing called self-talk, that we talk to ourselves. 
In healthdirect.com, it defines what is self-talk. Self-talk is the way you talk to yourself or your inner voice. You might not be aware that you're doing it, but you almost certainly are. This inner voice combines conscious thoughts with inbuilt beliefs and biases to create an internal monologue throughout the day. Self-talk is important because it has a big impact on how you feel and what you do. It can be supportive and beneficial, motivating you, or it can be negative, undermining your confidence. How do you talk to yourself? What are the conversations that you have? It's natural for us to do this. What we say to ourselves based on what we put into our mind is very important and determines much about our outlook in life. You've heard those terms. Some people are, look at glass half filled and others look at half empty. The optimist versus the pessimist. A lot of it has to do with what we bring into our mind and what we dwell on and what we talk to ourselves about. The psalmist here is facing despair. And he's asking questions of himself and God in verse 5. But he also has a hope in God. Cast down means he's overweighed with burdens that are pulling him down. The soul is troubled and hurting. Jesus experienced that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said in Matthew 26, he said to his disciples, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. We must understand that faith and doubt are twins. Doubt comes, but faith calms doubts down. Faith takes doubt and despair and leads it to hope found in God. So we need to be continually talking with God. Don't hide your emotions from God, but we should try to be respectful and have a reverence when we come to God asking for answers, for our deliverance from pain, from our lamenting. At the end of verse 5 and the beginning of verse 6, we see this hope is in God, my Savior. Makes it personal. My God. He's waiting for God to act for his good on his behalf. We, like this psalmist, must learn to be patient and are waiting for God to act in our midst. You know, sometimes when we're going through that dark night of the soul, and as I said, your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, and Everyone else is moving ahead in their life and you think you're at a standstill. I can think of those times in my life where it seemed like everything was going great for other Christians and not for me. But I learned during that time, you, in waiting, you're faithful to God. You're obedient. You praise him. You do what's in front of you that God has for you to do. And in time, he will bring to pass your deliverance. So let's move to the second lament in these two chapters of Psalms. Lament to the despair of life circumstances leads to doubting God. Look at the second part of verse 6 and verse 7. He said, my soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. From the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls the deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Even with hope, there is still at times a deep sense of despair. I have that for one of my sons who's walked away from the Lord. I have that for my countries. It seems that we're moving further and further away from the things of God. I'm realizing more and more that elections to try to elect people who can bring morals and responsibility back to our country is futile. The answer is for revival to occur in the churches of America. And that's what I'm praying for in 2023. And I'm drawing a circle around myself and saying to the Lord, let it begin with me. 
That's the true answer for our nation at this time. The psalmist is remembering the land he lived in and now longs for. He cites the land of Jordan, most likely the Jordan Valley, up where the headwaters of the Jordan River begin. Mount Hermon, he speaks of here, is approximately 9,000 feet tall as a mountain, and Mount Miser was probably part of that mountain range. He's reminiscing, reminiscing in his mind all the memories of living in Israel. In verse 7, he's reminded of the wonderful waterfalls that he sees throughout Israel, and then the waves along the coast. But now the circumstances of life are like the waves and the waterfalls billowing and cascading over him. He's finding it overwhelming, and he's wondering if doubt has triumphed over his faith in God. We often remember that hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. In the background, Philip Bliss got a telegram as his uh, wife and kids were going across the ocean, that there was an accident and several of his children died. And so in response, he asked to uh, get on a boat and go out and be summoned to the deck when they reached the location of where the death of his children occurred, where they drowned. And it was on the deck of that ship he wrote that famous hymn. It says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. How about you and I? What do you do or how do you feel when the waves of despair and doubt come our way? Do we question God and his goodness? Are we willing to wait patiently and trust that these things will pass? Or do we get reactionary and do things that we will later regret? Everybody responds in a different way. Some people, when they have deep sorrow, they isolate themselves. They move themselves away from any relationship. Others quickly jump into things and make bad decisions, relationally or financially. Some get angry with God and bitter toward him. Others take out their grief and sorrow on other people and other relationships that are close to them. But here's hope number two. Hope number two, the psalmist talks to his soul, remembering God's loyal and abiding love toward him. Look at verse eight. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. We have to remind ourselves of God's loyal unconditional and steadfast love toward us. Day and night, the verse says that God is faithfully caring. He's protecting, he's blessing us and shaping us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 is one such promise, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. If God saved you, he's going to, glorify you. He's going to make you into his image. He's going to remove the dross and the, and the garbage of our life to reveal the sun through us. The psalmist here in verse 8 is praising God morning and evening and staying in fellowship with God who is his source of life. He's trying to overcome the feelings expressed in verse 3 of this chapter. So when all else fails, we can trust completely in God's loyal and abiding love for us. Let's look next at lament number three. Lament number three. 
The silence of God in the face of mockery and persecution. The silence of God in the face of mockery and persecution. In verses 9 and 10, he said, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? There are three questions in these verses that the psalmist is posing. Why have you forgotten me, God? Do you ever feel that way sometimes? Has God ever, you ever felt like God has forgotten about you? Don't you see these circumstances that are going on in my life? Don't you see the things that are out of my control? Where are you? Where are you at this time? Jesus said on the cross, and it's quoted from Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The psalmist is saying that he feels total abandonment from God at this point. Second question, he asks, what must I go about mourning, or why must I go about mourning and oppressed by my enemy? Why do I have to hear this day after day, all the time, challenging me, bringing doubt and despair into my life, pointing to the fact that I'm captive and I'm away from where I should be? And then he says, as he repeated from the time earlier, we have this, where is your God? Where is your God? This person had no recourse but to mourn in his present situation. He was abandoned in his mind by God. He was taunted day and night by godless men. He was like a dying man whose God, his rock, his fortress, his, his refuge was silent. Notice he talked about his bones, talking about the physical pain, talking about his physical body. He's wondering why he has to suffer physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And his question to God. But hope number three, he comes back to another verse of hope in verse 11. The psalmist talks to his soul about God's future saving acts of grace. He repeats what he wrote in verse 5 here in verse 11 at the end of the chapter. He says, why are you cast down? Speaking to himself, O my soul. And why are you in turmoil? Why is your soul troubled within you? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalmist goes back to that familiar refrain. Notice that he isn't arrogantly questioning God. He's not shaking his fist at God. It appears in an accusatory fashion. He just wants genuine answers for the situation he's in. He wants fellowship and communion with his heavenly father. And he still has hope in God's future grace to deliver him and restore him back to Israel and back to a place of good hope and trust in God. Now we move to Psalm 43. Psalm 43, just a few verses there. We see the last lament here. Lament number four, the cry for vindication to God. The cry for vindication to correct the injustice, to deliver him from where he is in captivity. He says in Psalm 43, 1, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do you go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. 
Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with lyre, O God, my God. Thus far, the psalmist shared his positive thoughts about God in the midst of suffering. He talked about the living God in Psalm 42.2, the saving acts of God in Psalm 42.5, the God of life in 42.8, God is my rock, 42.9, seeing God's presence in 42 verses 5, 6, and 11. Now the psalmist is praying a prayer of redemption and looking forward to the delight of hearing from God. God is the deliverer of people in need, as he says there in verse 1 of Psalm 43. Vindicate means to defend his people, to prosecute the enemy, to plead the psalmist's case, to execute a verdict on his behalf. He says in verse 2, God is my stronghold, my refuge, my fortress, my foundation. In verses 3 and 4, the psalmist is begging God for the fulfillment of his promises sooner rather than later. You and I, as human beings, we are like that as well. We want to get out of our suffering as quickly as possible. It's natural. Notice in verse 3, he talks about light. Light is the understanding of what God is doing in our midst at the present time. God, reveal what you're trying to teach me through this experience. God, show me why this is all occurring. Truth, in verse 3, is God's faithful word that can be trusted to give guidance and direction. It shows God's commitment to those who believe in him. He can't wait, it says here, to meet with God in Jerusalem. He calls it the holy hill, which is the place of God's dwelling. And probably in his mind, he was thinking back to the wilderness experience. <clears throat> when the cloud was there during the daytime and the pillar of fire at night, and when God wanted to move the Israelites, he would lead them by his presence, by moving the cloud or the pillar of fire. He was reminded of that. The psalmist is waiting with anticipation for God to show him the way. And notice he talks about there. In verse 4, that he's going to join in the worship by playing the lyre. And he's looking to delight in the joy of the Lord with God's people once again. That's what energized him. That's what encouraged him, is worshiping God, but worshiping with the community of believers. And hope springs eternal. It is what keeps the Christian going and persevering through all the challenges of life. The older you get, the more spiritually mature you get, you begin to anticipate these times of darkness of trials and tribulation. You know they're certain to come. Job said man is born a few days and full of trouble. We're either coming out of a storm and heading into another or we're in the midst of the storm even now. And so as we think about that, we have to be ready with our response from a biblical godly perspective. Hope number four, the psalmist talks to his soul about praising God in the present and trusting him in him for a hope-filled future. To praise him in the present, trust him for a hope-filled future. One of the best ways you can get out of darkness and despair is by praising him, whether that's reading back the Psalms, whether it's singing songs of praise by yourself or using music uh, to sing along with. One of the best ways to move out of the doldrums is to praise your way out of it. So as we think about that, 
We see in Psalm 43, 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He's repeating verse 11, verse 5 from Psalm 42. He once again speaks to his soul, the place of emotion, the heart and will with these words of hope to let faith overcome doubt. He says, I shall again praise him, knowing that God in the end will cause him to be victorious. Now think about Job. We read the book of Job. We learn a lot about suffering. I bet Job wished he could have read chapter 1, where it talks about the conversation with the devil and God about his suffering, because then he'd have more understanding. But thank God we have that book in the Bible to help us understand when we go through the difficulties of life. Job said this in Job 13, 15. He said, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Folks, that is an extremely mature attitude. When you think about all that Job lost in one day, he lost his finances. He lost his family except for his wife. He lost his servants. He lost his livestock. It was all gone. In fact, on day one, when that occurred in Job 121 in the King James, it says, Naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we say that when we're going through mourning, lamenting, darkness of the soul? Do these prayers of lament and hope in God encourage you this morning? Some of you here who may be downcast, who may be burdened in your heart, or a soul that's troubled today, here is our hope as we close, our key thought as we talk to ourselves and look to the promises of God and the long-term hope that is offered to filter through your current relationships and circumstances. Talk to God. Claim the promises in his word. Chuck Swindoll said there's over 7,000 promises in the word of God. Someone sat down and, and counted them. Yes, many of them are for Israel, but also many are for us as believers today. And realize the long-term hope that's offered to filter that through as we think about our current situation, our relationships, our circumstances. I encourage you to write these things down that are not in your notes. There's four elements you see as a pattern of psalms of lament. You see this pattern over and over in these psalms of lament. Turn to God. Number one, bring your complaint to God. What's going on currently in your life that you're not happy about or it's causing hurt. Ask boldly for help and choose to trust. You see that in these two psalms. You see this throughout the psalms of lament. And that's a good formula for us to understand as we commune with God when we're going through the dark nights of our soul. Mark Vrograp, that pastor I referenced earlier, said this, lament is a prayer language for God's people as they live in a world marred by sin. It's how we talk to God about our sorrows as we renew our hope in his sovereign care to cry as human, but to lament as Christian. To cry as human, but to lament, to bring it to God is the Christian way of doing it. Here's some questions to ponder as we close today. What have you cried out to God about in recent days? In recent days. 
Maybe it's maybe not something personal, but maybe it's for our country or the pain you're seeing somebody else going through in your family or in your uh, circle of friends and influence that you're with. What is the condition of your soul in relation to your ongoing conversations with God? Can you say with Philip Bliss, it is well with my soul? Is everything good as you communicate with God? And when you converse with God, do you leave the conversation with hope and peace? I hope you do. I hope you do. Many times as I would pray, as I would uh, sing, as I would do things through the difficult times, I would leave with this peace. Didn't have answers, but I knew who was in control. I knew who was ultimately caring about my very best, that it would all come out in the end to honor and glorify him. May that be the goal as you lament and go through the difficult times of your life. Let's bow for prayer. Maybe you're here this morning and this, these two psalms have really touched your soul. Maybe you're in private pain. Maybe you're in mourning. You may have lost a loved one recently or maybe two, three years ago and you're still missing that loved one. Maybe it's been the injustice of people attacking your character in an improper way, whatever it may be. Let God speak to you today and let his loyal, steadfast, unconditional love fill your soul and lay your burdens at his feet and trust him, trust him that he's already working toward your deliverance. He's already moving in that direction. We just have to be patient and wait on him. Father, we come and we pray. We pray for our brothers and sisters here that are going through struggles, going through difficulties. Some they don't even verbalize to other people, but in the quietness of their sleeping at night in their bed, they think about these things. And Lord, we just pray that you will be the deliverer, that you'll give them hope, you give them restoration, give them permission to share these concerns with you directly in the midst of their pain and know that you will speak that you will minister that you'll bless you'll protect and you'll deliver we pray and ask these things now in jesus name amen